Alrighty, happy 2018, and welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient, try saying that three times, co-host calling <laughs> in all the way from Charm City, Mr. Odell Norman. What is happening? Happy New Year. You too, man. You too. Happy New Year. I think I'm allowed to say Happy New Year still since we still haven't taken our fucking Christmas tree down. We literally just took ours down, I think, yesterday or the day before. Yeah, so I won't stop saying Happy New Year's until the Christmas tree is back out in the storage bin. Great. There you go. And who is lurking in the shadows and keeping us from just totally rambling on? Our illustrious producer, D. Yes. D. Breath. Can I start calling you D. Breath? No. D. Breath. Uh, (laughs) It sounds like a really bad rapper. Yo, D. Breath, what's up? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Go to sing um, some songs about tongues and lips and heavy breathing. and. Uh, that would be a little, I don't know, that would be a little weird. Uh, so, yeah. Like maybe he's a dentist part-time. Right. And he um, called himself Deep Breath, the dentist. That's fucking hard, right? <laughs> the dentist. <laughs> so this is the new year. We have all kinds of new things coming up. Um, and, of course, if you miss any little bit, you can in here here's really really easy here's the instructions type in www.tincan.media and push enter that's it that's all cool so tincanmedia.com tincan.media hit enter because we are one of the chosen few well actually i don't know how many but we are some of these special ones that we don't need no dot com business over here no 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 we're dot media because that's what we do um yes you can go to tincan.media and check out all of our other stuff and keep an eye on not only tincan.media but our facebook pages because we are just about ready to roll out the Kickstarter for the most amazing children's book you will ever read in your life. Like, Only in America could an asshole like me write a children's book. Warping minds <laughs> from sea beautiful. to shiny sea. No, it's really, really great. And if you do participate in the Kickstarter, there's a lot of really cool rewards we've got lined up. And one of them actually includes an audio version of the book as read by me. And... 
I I've got a little bit of practice reading this particular book. Uh, it gives you warm fuzzies. Yeah, you make my time. book sound legit. Actually, you it's make it sound great. cool. <laughs> no, it really, really is. It is the kind of book I would totally have bought for my children when they were younger. Um, so keep an eye out on that, for sure, for sure. Um, the book is called Edward, and it will be on Kickstarter uh, beginning of next week. Uh, so keep an eye on everything for that, and also. Uh, Saucy himself is going to be on a podcast with Miss Meryl Hathaway. It's called The Lemon Grove. That's going to be next week. So keep nice. an eye on all the pages. And Meryl, you, we, well, anybody who follows her work knows her from one of your favorite shows, Dee, yes. The Good Place. Yes, which is smack dab in the middle of season two and it's freaking awesome Ooh, and our one of our loyal listeners is telling us there's actually a kickstarter app so yes download that look for edward um thank you loyal listener yes. what's our loyal listeners name so that's I can kelly. Give him a shout out. hi kelly oh kelly what's up yes. kelly he always <laughs> listen he is always talking about creeping he is always listening <laughs> Right? <laughs> I should um, just, like turn my webcam on all, all day for Kelly. He loves us. <laughs> that would be a little weird, but okay. Um, and then coming up this weekend, we have a funny thing about politics with writer and comedian Kayla Avery. That will be, I am sure, super fun and super funny. Um, and we're also going to have Kettle of Fish with comedian and writer Emily Winter, who probably has one of my new favorite songs, um, which is all of the crazy things that are on men's profiles on OkCupid. And it's, you just have to, I mean, when a man says he prefers if a woman looks like a bag of money, I just, that was where I lost it. I just. You know who posted that, right? The (laughs) dentist. I bet you that was the dentist's profile. The dentist loves money, man. He's hardcore. Oh, can we make the big announcement? Is it too early to make the huge announcement? Uh Probably Uh not. Go for Finally, it. after years of this project trying to get off the ground, and I mean, this is something that has such a huge following anyways, there was no way it wasn't going to eventually happen. Quick Draw the Movie is finally happening, yes. based on, yeah. you know, the Hulu series, and I am going to be making an appearance. What? I don't know, yes. what in some capacity, I'm either supposed to get shot in the head or stabbed in the taint. So we still well, have some details to work I out. Think, I'm I think we rooting for stabbed settled, in the taint. Yeah, I think we might have settled on getting shot in the head, but you could get stabbed in the taint as well. You know John Lear and, and the taint. He loves the taint. I'm pretty charming. I think if I push for stabbed in the taint, I can get my way on this one. I'll just, you know, I'll try not to go in with any, without any um, Demi Moore type demands. <laughs> like, I will not perform without a hairstylist. <laughs> or I need 99 green M&Ms in a mason jar and all that crap. Oh, yeah. It'll be great. I need yeah. my steak cut up a certain way. All that yeah. Exactly. So I'm lots of really cool things coming up. Um, we, we're also working on a couple of other things, um, but we're, we're going to keep those mostly under wraps. Uh, just just kind of keep an eye out because we've got We're on the things. DL like the dentist. Yes, big the things dentist. coming this year. The year's dentist knows how to keep his fucking mouth shut. That's right. <laughs> That's a song right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, we don't have any musical news this week. Before we get our guests in here, I want to tell you guys something weird to happen. Um, Danielle, you were sitting right there, so you already know. Yeah. I was playing this game, and it's kind of music-related, since I couldn't find a good news story uh, musically. I was playing yeah. this game called Raymond Legends. 
And the end of every level, of every world, actually, there's a screen that's a music-related screen. It's like a musical obstacle course. And I'm playing this screen on the third level, on the third world, and it has Eye of the Tiger. But it's like being played. What was it being played with? Um, not a banjo. No, I don't even know. What Maybe are they using that R.E.M. R.E.M. song, Losing My Religion? Oh, the ma- the mandolin? mandolin? Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. playing a on a mandolin. Mm-hmm. And I beat the level. And this is how strange. This is, goes back to Dr. Hand's um, you know, theory of extremely large numbers. I turn the game off, hit input to put it back on cable. And the second I turn off the game, I was playing Eye of the Tiger. Family Guy is on, and they're playing Eye of the Tiger. Oh, what are the fucking chances? Everything's <laughs> connected. Yep, Everything yep. like Dirk Gently, baby. Yep. Everything is connected. <laughs> so is that too weird? Should I read something cosmic into that? <laughs> Meanwhile, in another state. No. <laughs> no it's going to be a good your year. What was happening in another state? Can I Odell state? burned himself by boiling macaroni and cheese. Oh. Was it elbow macaroni? There you go. <laughs> I love that song. Elbow macaroni. Yeah, man, you guys were so fucking good. I always felt like a chump with even Steven playing with like you guys and FDA and all these bands that actually knew how to play their instrument. And somehow we fucking force gumped ourselves into the music industry and like put an album out, not knowing like even really like I couldn't even tune my shit, dude. I didn't even barely knew how to play a fucking bass. Oh, dude, it was good, man. It was all awesome. I missed those days, man. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Onus was light years, man. Uh, uh. Above. There was so much good talent out there. Yep, yep. Hello. What were you sending me, D? Speaking of bands that know how to play well. Oh, yeah. So she that's her polite way of telling me to shut the hell up. All right. Tonight, we have one half of the folk rock band Honey Honey calling in to talk about his solo project, joining us in the eternal digital salvation. I love that line. Ben Jaffe. <laughs> Ben, what's up? Oh, how do, guy? Hey, hey, <laughs> how you doing? Bringing me in. Yeah, man, I <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. I was just <laughs> listening. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nah, go ahead. If you're gonna say, especially if you're gonna say something awesome about us, go ahead. It, it was really nice, and it, well, it still will be. I'm, just, I'm impressed. I'm amazed, beyond impressed, about the. You guys have like a factory of creativity going all the time. Seems like a productive crew. Well, you know, what I always say is right now in this political climate under this um, administration, art has never been more fucking important. So I always say, like, <laughs> I practice weaponized creativity. Like, it's my... There you routine. go. You know? Never been a better time to get stabbed in the taint. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Maybe you can lead up my campaign and uh, petition John Lear to go more towards stabbed in the taint instead of shot in the head. <laughs> <laughs> I need support. Like I the angle would really have to be specific on that, though. That's that's a yeah, that's a sharpshooter right there. <laughs> Do you think it would be uh, likable if I called my supporters tainties? <laughs> oh, oh god, <laughs> the tainted. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, D is like give, ver, giving me the virtual stink eye. All right. <laughs> Let me thank you for coming in, Ben. I know we had some scheduling issues. So it's really cool of you being so flexible. Yes. Oh, of course. Odell yeah, had a scoot out of town, and we had some stuff going on. But I'm glad we finally got you here. Let's start 
with your rearranger videos because I was checking these out and I've never seen anything quite like this before. Um, your <laughs> songs, you're releasing them, but then you're also releasing songs off the upcoming album, Oh Wild Ocean of Love. You're releasing them a, cu a couple of times regularly. Then you're releasing them remixed with synthesizers and electronics. And this is all before the album even comes out yet. So what was kind of the catalyst for the whole rearranger series? And are you eventually going to rearrange all the songs? Is that the game plan? That's the plan so far. I've got one. I mean, I, so I put out two of these rearrangement videos and I've got one kind of in post-production right now. And then another one in pre. So that'll be four. And if I can get it together, I, I mean, it'd be great to do them all, but I, I guess I was thinking about this earlier. I'm not, I'm not sure why, but um, my reasoning, I, I remember I've had a, an issue with focus a lot of the time musically, or maybe just generally, I don't know. Um, and uh, this was, it just seemed like an opportunity to do whatever I wanted. I have this kind of open canvas. It's not honey, honey anymore. So I can really do whatever I want. Um, and I start to get real um, antsy, I guess, with one, like the, the record, A Wild Ocean of Love was finished recording, you know, at least 10 months ago. So in the meantime, working on some new music um, and it's an opportunity to try different shit. There was a synthesizer rearrangement and then um, the next one, I did a string quartet version of one of the songs. It's just right. a chance to try out these, these tools, you know? Yeah, and um, on that note, because I know you have Dominator and you have um, Blooming up here as, as well. On the beginning, or actually it was on the end of that Dominator video, I'm looking at it right now, The Dawn of the Age of Machines. That quote, is that from some literary <laughs> work? Or did you actually write that? Because I love that line in there. That's so funny. No, I, I just wrote that. I, I thought that would be a good way to wrap it up. And I tried to make it so quick that you really, most people would miss it. Unless I was actually Googling so like Isaac Osimov to see if that was a line out of like one of his fucking books. I was like, oh man, I love oh, this. Oh, that's so I'm flattered. <laughs> is that you narrating at the beginning? Or who is yeah. that that does the narrate? <laughs> no, I love that. I was like, I, I, I've been watching the, the the back and forth. Just been watching those two songs on there. And um, are are you the type of person that um, I know when I know with recording in a studio and everything, a lot of times you have sort of the ideas in your head, and then but once you get in, you're you're like sort of looking around, like, man, wonder what this sounds like, or wonder if I could actually pull this off if I do this. Or, or, or when you go in, I know this is a totally different experience than going in um, as a as a as a duo. Um, what was right. that experience like? Yeah, I mean the the field is so wide open, and I don't know if stop me if I get too kind of music geeky on this. I can't tell yet. At the no, time. we love you music like geeky. No, music yeah, no. <laughs> okay, great. Well, let's do this. Um, I. Uh, there's just such a freakish range of options you can do kind of with everything at, at this point. You know, if you use uh, DAW, uh, Pro Tools or Logic or whatever, mm. you just kind of get an inkling of how how many choices you can make. And I guess that's what I was trying to touch on before with the focus thing. I think a lot of – I've run into trouble um, with being a little unfocused musically, and I thought, okay, if I can just kind of harness this instead of trying to repress it, I'd just say, okay, yeah, I'm all over the place. But as long as I or whoever, I think if you follow the lines to the end, 
then it's still there's something generative about it. You can come out with I don't know, hopefully useful or engaging stuff if you just kind of follow your lines of thought. So, right. I mean, to answer your question, I guess, yeah, there's so many points in the process where these possibilities present themselves. Like, okay, yeah, it's funny to, it's easy to slow my voice down or warp kind of any element in the track. And I, I don't know, it just kind of comes up like improvisation almost. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, after a 10-year collaboration with Suzanne and Honey Honey, I feel like after listening to the tracks you sent me and the tracks on your website, like this era in your 15-year career is actually all about experimentation and kind of exploring creativity routes that you didn't have room for when you were in a collaborative project. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's so great about I think she had the same experience herself. That's what's so great about being able to do it on your own too and i mean i love working with suze um mm -hmm. and we still do and we'll do it more but when you don't have to agree with anybody it just like changes shit <laughs> oh trust me man we've been there even steven had yeah. about 40 members including <laughs> odell i'm probably a hard person to work with um, yes wait so is that your band what even steven oh yeah back yeah, up, you, about a million years ago okay yeah, it was my old cheesy punk band a million years ago. Wow. And, oh, yeah. I got to check this out. And see, I have this thing where my karma, I'll do something I think's cool, and then Disney will co-opt it, or it'll get co-opted in, like, the tween <laughs> world. So I made Even Steven, and then, like, three years later, that show comes out, and people are like, oh, did you name your band after that Disney show? And I was like, you know what, dude? I did. It was like this close to being named That's So Raven. And we just fucking did. And then I got this cool-ass Abraham Lincoln um, tattoo on my back calf. This big-ass Abe Lincoln tattoo, but he's all punked out. I got it from this punk um, comic book. And as soon as I got that, about a month later, Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter came out. And I'd go to the mall, and all these tweens would be like, oh, my God, is that Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter? <laughs> love the movie. Yeah, and I was like, fuck, now i got to wear leg warmers the rest of the summer. <laughs> fucking sucks. Yeah. So, anyways, let's well, talk about Ben. This isn't about me. You're wild. You're, you're, you're wired in, man. You're, you're hooked into the world. Yep. The universe just picks on me, I guess. All right, so the album, Oh Wild um, Ocean of Love. Do you have a release date, or are you just kind of releasing it when it just feels right, when it feels like the right time? I do now. It's March 30th, but I was for a while just kind of dribbling, dribbling it out. And what's the response to that been like? Are people like, hey, man, we want this whole album, or are they happy just getting just little, like you said, dribbles of it? Right. Well, a, a very few people have been very supportive about it. Um, so now, you know, it's just like this tiny little, like I'm on the prairie and it's cold outside. And I got this tiny little flame and I'm just protecting the flame and throwing little twigs at it. Um, and maybe it'll be a roaring fire um, in a little bit. But it's been a weird transition coming from Honey Honey because, you know, in no way were we like a household name band, but we were uh, a big enough band that wherever we went people come and see us and there's crowds nice crowds they know our shit it's it's like a real community yeah um, come, which is great but coming off of it you know my susan my experiences are different you know there's similarities but she was very much the voice and kind of the face in a lot of ways of honey honey so when mm -hmm. i come out i have to kind of be like hey 
I have to introduce myself a little bit and be like, hey, this is something I do, as opposed to like, oh yeah, that's the voice from these records that people have bought for, you know, what, 10 years. Well, do you feel like this situation has kind of like with the pitchfork poked you into the spotlight? And do you like actually kind of being forced into the spotlight? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I do. I, and I'm thankful to Suze for doing it, honestly, because I don't think I would have. She, I was pretty content um, to just, you know, be doing Honey Honey Records and I, I score films and I do production work and stuff like that. But this okay. was kind of, uh, hey, I've got to fucking do something or else it's curtains for old Jaffe. <laughs> Speaking of um, different projects you worked on, I think I asked you this. I never got an answer. Did I read this correctly? Did you voice a fish in SpongeBob SquarePants? Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I had my moment. I had my moment under the sea. Uh, nice. There was a friend Incredible. of mine. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine who's a great songwriter and producer and blah, blah, blah. He um, was doing a lot of music for SpongeBob, and he just brought me in. He needed me. To sing, I, I was like, this was a while ago. I was like 19, maybe, and he needed like a boy band to sing to this whale in the show. There's a whale. I remember that episode. Birthday. I know that episode. <laughs> know that was don't. awesome. You know, Dee's passionate if she's child. Dee loves it. <laughs> I was like, I remember that one. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So I was a uh, Billy Fishkin, and I sang her happy birthday. Billy Fishkin, that's adorable. I didn't even see a name. It just said um, he played a fish in a, or he voiced a fish in a boy band on SpongeBob. And I was like, man, no, dude, I would I'm love to do one. anything voice related. That's incredible. Well, let's, okay, oh, let's pivot so back great. here. Because um, I'm always interested in like trends of why and where fans go with existing franchises or projects. In your okay. experience so far, and I don't know how much feedback you've got yet. As a solo performer, do you, are you finding your fan base or people that were fans of Honey Honey and they're kind of following you along on this journey? Or are you creating like a whole new fan base who don't necessarily follow Honey Honey because it's, you know, the music is pretty different genre-wise? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it feels so early in to see what the new crowd is. Most of the support I've gotten has been from Honey Honey people or, you know, just being in LA. I, I'm really curious. I don't know. I, I was kind of nervous about it a little. When, I don't know, navigating the music industry, kind of creating or finding community that pushes you up, blah, blah, blah. And I just had this suspicion that music is not be super hot on this music. So I thought, shit, I, I kind of have to start all over again. Which is not the worst thing. I mean, I'm kind of, there's things I look forward to about that, you know? I but you have been playing out kids. solo on this album already, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I've played only a couple of shows. I played an L.A. show, a New York show, and then a show um, in Western Massachusetts where I'm from originally. Um, and maybe a couple more here and there, but I'm just starting to roll it out in the next couple months. So this is, this is a little baby. But are you feeling less nervous now after you're doing those shows? Is it a response of such that you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be okay? Or are you still like, <laughs> oh, my God, I don't know how to fuck this. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's fun. I love the shows have gone great. I love playing the shows. And I don't know if you've gotten a chance to listen to the record much, but there's some there's some really fun stuff to play live. There's a lot of like m double drums or multiple, these kind of layered percussion arrangements and stuff like that, which has been a blast. So it's not the performance that, I've been nervous about it. It's just a question of, which is kind of everybody's question. Like, how do you put music out in, in a, in a way that's 
productive or actually reaches people and is sustainable? You know, that's kind of like a question that has to be answered every year. Absolutely. Odell, I mean, how much has changed since the days of us like standing on a corner handing out our shitty little flyers begging oh my people God. to come see us play at like coffee houses and shit? I mean, I mean, if the last like band band that I like touring band or what that I was in was we ended in 2007. So that was like right when MySpace was like the big thing. And I just remember right. using the hell out of that thing, man. It was like, cause you know, you would have bands that would, you know, write you from um, other parts of the country or the world. And, and you would do the thing. I was like, man, where was this back in the, in the, in the late <laughs> mid to late nineties, early two thousands. And now it's a whole nother yeah. level. You know, it's a whole, it's yeah. a whole new ball game now. Yeah, we're old yeah, men. I don't know if I would want to navigate music in this new digital age. I mean, it just seems like there's so much. It's easy to get lost in all the white noise. It's overwhelming, for sure, because you have all these amazing tools. It's insane the amount of music that's out there and the amount of great music that's out there. Yeah, So exactly. Yeah, and there's, I mean, did you guys ever feel like this is always kind of a question of, this is something you probably were doing anyway, playing shows, making music, blah, 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 blah. So, like, there's this weird, I get in these philosophical wind-ups about, well, you know, this shouldn't, maybe it's not something that people should be making a living on necessarily, you know? I mean, people should be mm -hmm. compensated, obviously, for what, for what they're doing, but this, people are going to make music no matter if we do or we don't. You know, so it but you're not getting paid for the product. You're getting paid for the discipline to make the product. That's true. Because it takes but, a lot know, of focus and discipline. I mean, you have talent. You can make music. But I've known a lot of talented people that have hit brick walls just because they couldn't get their shit together. Right. Being able to apply that discipline is a, a, it's a difficult thing. Oh, and we've got a question coming in. Kelly wants to know where he'll be able to buy the album. Kelly's always back. He wants to know where he'll be able to buy the album. Obviously, he dug the song. Um, thanks for asking, Kelly. Um, so it'll come out on the 30th. Um, I'll be selling like vinyl, physical, through um, a web store, my web store, things like that. But then Please. it'll be across all the digital platforms, Amazon, iTunes. It'll be on Spotify, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. Are you? Uh, do you have the tour date set, or or are those are those still in the work? So I'm working up some in March, in kind of early and mid March. But then okay. I don't know. You guys talked to Suzanne, right? Yeah, we had her on the show. Actually, Odell wasn't there because he had stuff going on. But I talked to her. I think the yeah. end of September. Okay. Um. So we're we're part of this TV show. Um. That's shooting. We we both have to be in LA for most of the spring. So we'll be there okay. kind of off the road. Um, but then the summer, there'll be a little Honey Honey tour, and then we're just going to be kind of pimping as hard as we can on the solo stuff, too. Ben is nice. totally on my wavelength. That's one of the things I want to talk to you about, because that's how I discovered you guys was watching TBS Guestbook. And I was going to ask really? if it was returning. Yeah. And, you know, um, <laughs> Greg Garcia, who makes that show, his first yeah. big show, My Name is Earl, was loosely yeah. based off of the town me and Odell are from, Waldorf, Maryland. Yeah, and then oh, um, he, yeah, and gra and then he also graduated from um, Frostburg, and that's the school that I graduated from, um, Frostburg State University. Wow, so yeah, he's he's one of their fun. big, big major, like you know when they send out press 
you know, things to attract people. He he's always, you know, uh, one of the names that they put out so there. Funny. So it, yeah, yeah, it's a small world, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he's I such just, a good guy too. He is. He really, really is. Yeah, like I love that show, Guestbook, and I love the idea of you guys playing that segment at the end, and you're in your exterminator outfit and Suzanne's in her <laughs> mail carrier outfit, and it was a fucking pain in the ass to find out who you guys were. Like I was on the internet for like two hours, like who are these people? I've got to find out, scouring around because they didn't have it on the actual website for it. And I found you guys and reached out to Suzanne, and it was like real impromptu that we made this interview happen. And I'm glad I did. But yeah, I was actually turned on to you guys through guestbook, so I'm glad to hear it's coming back. That's so funny. They got to give us a little more love then. They need to make it easy for the people, right? <laughs> Help out old. old I think so, like Greg. Because I was doing it all kinds yeah, of different too. ways trying to find you guys. But, I mean, the idea is so cool. And I know, I think Suzanne said that you guys, I think there's like 10 episodes and you guys did five covers equally and split it between five covers and five originals, right? Yeah, something uh, uh, roughly. It was a great kind of kick in the ass because we had, we put out our last record in 2015 and we kind of toured the shit out of it and, um, we're winding down and kind of like at each other's throats a lot of the time and um, weren't really moving towards making another record. And then this thing just kind of came out of nowhere and all of a sudden we had 20 songs. We recorded 20 songs wow. for that. Actually, actually, it was more, 23 songs for that show in just a couple months and it was like, okay, shit. It, sometimes it's just really nice to have someone tell you what to do. Yeah, there's a certain amount of freedom in that, I guess, just to kind of let go and go, all right, I'm just going to just kind of follow this directive and not have to be kind of crushed by these creative imperatives, which is something I struggle with all the time. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Yeah. Well, it's tough. It's tough not to, right? Because you got to make it work in order to, um, you know, support yourself and those you love. Yeah. That's it. Yep. End of the day, you yeah. own it. All right, so let's talk about um, the album, because I want to play one of the songs off here called Everlasting Peace. And um, the album, of course, mm -hmm. I'll repeat it again for Kelly, Oh, Wild Ocean of Love. Um, Everlasting Thanks, Peace, Kelly. I listened to this song, has a very different vibe than the other two songs, Bloomin' and Dominator, I listened to on mm -hmm. your website, and the version you sent me as well of Dominator. Is the album going to be pretty much straightforward, like as far as tone, or is this going to be like a journey of songs that kind of range in style and vibe, or is it going to be more in kind of that blooming pocket and this everlasting piece of just kind of like the ballad type softest end of the album? Right. It kind of bounces between those worlds. I think I, I wanted it to be kind of like a mixtape. Uh, my thought was, okay, I'm going right to make like 25 minutes of music, you know, I can make 25 minutes and I, and I want it to kind of sound like one piece. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't know if I totally pulled that off, but I, I think, um, that's, I, I have something like that is the final product where I glued together things with these kind of interstitial sound collage things and hopefully led you around from, from piece to piece. Cause it does kind of go, go, you know, there's a range. Do you feel like it's a concept album? Like a you know Queen's right Operation Mind Crime that it has an overall tone to it. <laughs> um, no, I I feel like it's it's like the I feel like I just got in the ring and this is my opening jab and I'm like hey I, I'm making records boom 
And what I'm working on now is kind of my first, uh, more of a statement, more of a focus statement, you know, but this is just like, shit, I want to make something and I want to, you know, I I love to feel like I'm in the world of a record. I've kind of been like, I've been up in the, in the woods for the last couple of weeks, just kind of writing and focusing on that stuff. And I've been listening to honestly, mostly Kendrick Lamar records and Beethoven, but Hey, there you go. The Kendrick Kendrick records are so great because the the whole thing, it feels like you're in a living thing. It's not just, okay, a guy delivering, even if they're great songs, it's not just a guy delivering great songs at you with a guitar or whatever. It's like a landscape of of stuff. It it feels like an epic, you know? Fans out there like going all Thoreau on the music, like getting into that whole Thoreau sense of um, frame of mind. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Adele. No, no, that's what, you know, I totally agree. That's what makes them so, you know, so good is that very similar to, um, I was uh, a huge uh, Biggie Smalls fan because he would always, the stories that they would tell, it, it it would almost put you in that place of where they were coming from. And Kendrick Lamar, like that was the first thing I noticed from like his, you know, his earliest his earliest albums, and now it's like this young man can tell a story and <laughs> and put you right there, and, and and that's what makes it so good because you can you feel yourself right there in that story right along with him. Yeah, and it seems like there's so much more, at least now, of a hip hop and R and B thing. It, mm-hmm. It's more of this like general, this like larger story arc. Or, or you know more of a storytelling tradition in that yeah. sense um and that was something that i kind of felt frustrated that the music in the world that i'm in it doesn't people aren't really approaching it that way you know you, you rarely hear an americana record that uh I, I don't know sounds like it has a real through line i mean that's not totally true there's a lot of like thematic through lines and there's focused records but there's not this like alternate world like you know kendrick kind of slaps this world on top of the music yeah and, what, and like biggie smalls records and like voodoo yeah. like d'angelo does the same yeah thing. you know it's just like seems part of a tradition even p-funk and all that like you can just trace it back and yeah. back and back um, and that's what that's what D- david bowie was like that too he was one of those that could put you in a place and you're just like man you know even to you've all lived to his last album you're like it, you know, you know it's him, but you, he would always he needs. There's just I don't know. It's just a gift. I think I really feel that just there's some people that can just do that and and um, and um, yeah. yeah, yeah. What have I been right saying in the last couple of years, Adele? That like hip hop is the truest voice out there right now, musically, in my opinion. You know, it's like the new punk rock, and I'm a guy who grew up punk rock all the way and over the last yeah. couple of years i've been heavily getting into hip-hop because i feel like punk in a lot of ways has dropped that banner and hip-hop has really picked it up well it's like yeah i think i think hip-hop is um has adopted a lot of the punk roots too and i think a lot of um similarities have always been there it's just not really been expressed if you like i just it's funny that you you're we're talking about this because i just finished watching um uh hip-hop i think it's hip-hop evolution and it was a it was a documentary on I, they've only done on one Vice? season. It was on uh, Netflix. I and um, it, yeah, but basically, if you look at like the guys like um, Africa Bambada and um, uh, those types, you know, the, the reason why they got to where they were is because um, P 
people like uh, Fat Five Freddy and um, Blondie, Deborah Harry, all of them introduced them to the punk scene. And then all of a sudden the punk club started inviting them to play in the punk club. And then it was like this whole big merger. And they were like, that's how we got big. It wasn't, you know, we were cool in our own space, but all of a sudden, you know, guys like African Mambada were, were, you know, sampling, you know, the clash and sampling, um, you know, all these B-52s and all these different types of bands into their music where, you know, in their, in their world, they didn't have that at the time. And then all of a sudden you're hearing all these different things and it was sort of that merger. That, yeah. I've um, got to check that out, man. That's incredible. Yeah, it was, re- it was really cool. It was really cool how they really talked to, I mean, I mean, he was, they were saying all kinds of bands. I was just like, Holy moly. You know, and you never really realize that. <laughs> so you actually listen to the, the stuff that they're sampling and using in there. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. They got that from, you know, these guys and they got that from these guys. And, and, and uh, yeah, yeah it's really cool. Real well, we got I Kelly sitting here at the bar, and he's listening with a bunch of people at the bar and has another question out in Virginia Beach. But let's play your track real quick, because i got to use a little punker's room. <laughs> <laughs> so I hit it, D. Some days I wake up in the sweat, bodies wet from the tension, baby. All these cheap thrills from tangible achievements weighing heavy on my mind. But time has shown me you're the only one who could bring me everlasting peace. Oh, time has shown me you're the only one who could bring me everlasting peace. Everlasting peace. Like a path I walk with me up like daytime talk like arena rock and I'll sing it to you soft and sweet and straight from the heart so there's no questions that time has shown me you're the only one who could bring me everlasting peace time has shown me you're the only one who could bring me everlasting peace
Nice. Dee was sending me messages throughout the whole song that um, she loves this. You sound like yes. Ed Sheeran, whoever that is, or Imagine Dragons. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like Ed Sheeran and Imagine Dragons, and just I, that is a song that I could hear on the radio fifteen times a day. Like I'm not even joking. Come on. Like, that's I don't know if that is exactly a compliment. No, that's good. Nowadays. It's exactly. I mean, it's it's it. it's awesome. Like, I, I should be hearing mm-hmm. that on the radio 15 times a day, at least. At least. Yeah, it's great. I love it. All right, well, let well, me get to I my... I hope that, that happens. I hope so, too. Let me get to my diligent fans here, because we've got another question from Kelly. I feel like I'm on, like, Frasier or something. Like, Kelly asks, um, Ben, <laughs> where do you get your inspiration from? Oh, she's Um, the classic. Um... I don't know. I think basically being uh, really confused about a lot of things that I love in music. So there's so many great, so I'll listen to Stevie Wonder records and just be like, how the fuck did he do that? Yeah. And that's inspiring. <laughs> you know? Is and it all from music it or the, the great thing about punk rock is I used to get inspiration, like riding a public bus home from my shitty job and like just driving through the ghetto to my house was inspiration. Like I would play songs of that imagery in my head. Are you only getting the, um, are you only getting inspired or influenced by music or other things kind of tapping into that creative vibe? No, I, I, yeah, it's it's a lot of a lot of things. Um, right now, I mean, it, it changes. If we're talking about you know subject matter and stuff like that, it, it changes a lot. Right now, I'm, I'm I, I I feel kind of weird slash embarrassed to talk about it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> I've been really interested in Judaism again. I was raised Jewish. I'm not I'm not like a religious guy or anything like that, but. For okay. some, actually, I, I think I know the reason. My my dad is a uh, is an old guy, and without bumming anyone out, you know, he's at he's at the end of his life, and he's really. I'm watching him, kind of, uh, I'm I'm watching him experience this point in his life, which is pretty intense and amazing to see, and also seeing what he's gravitating towards and how he finds identity. And we had this talk. This is maybe a year ago, a year or two ago. And he was someone who had a long career. He was in the military, and he had a long career in in the literary world and all this stuff. But now he's at this point in his life. He doesn't, you know, I I can identify with being a musician or being a a dude trying to, you know, get it on with ladies or whatever. But he... Just like the dentist. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just a guy trying to get shot in the team. But I, um, he, his identity, you know, besides it being like an elderly man, is he's he's looking deeper and looking at things like Judaism, at spirituality in this way that kind of like boom slapped me upside the head a little bit, and it just got it got me looking into it, studying it, wow. thinking about it, you know. 
Wait till you yeah. hit our age, mid forties. I know around forty, it struck me because everybody knows they're going to die. But I was like, dude, I am going to experience death unless I get hit by like a fucking truck or have a heart attack. I am going to be laying in a hospital bed, going, "Is this my last breath? Is this going to be my last breath?" <laughs> like I'm actually going to experience like being at the top of that fucking roller coaster and just waiting for like the guy in the executioner hood to pull like the lever. And here I go, like down into the depths of the abyss. Yeah, it's a talk it's about a bumming process. people out. Well, but it. I mean, I guess I hope it doesn't. You know, I hope it doesn't bum me out too much. I mean, it's such doesn't get more natural than that. You know, um, yeah. It's, it's kind of fascinating to watch him go through it and see him change, like see his world is getting smaller and and. Maybe this maybe is bumming people out. I don't know. I'm sorry, people. It's smaller and dimmer, but it's also like a wonderful thing. Kelly, are and we bumming you out? Know. Kelly's our barometer. He's our bum out barometer. <laughs> Kelly will <laughs> He'll write well, on no, I, no, I totally understand where you're coming from. I, I, uh, um, I think the reason why I actually missed um, uh, the other interview was because uh, my dad passed um, beginning of October. Wow. So, um, and it was, it was, it was, you know, uh, it was one of those things. It's just part of life. It was one of those things where, uh, he found out he had cancer, um, Mm -hmm. in, uh, the beginning of August and, um, and it was, you know, it was already really, yeah, it was already really late. So he only lived a couple more months after that, but it was one of those things where I got to spend, well, once he found out that he had cancer, once he found out he had cancer, my mind, of course, my mom called and I went down there for a while and I got to spend a lot of just me and him just sitting and talking. It's one of those things, man. It's like, I, I totally get where you're coming from because my dad's always been a spiritual guy. He was, you know, raised in the church. Um, he did, I mean, he was wild and crazy. He was a Vietnam war vet and, and all that, but then married my mom and got back into the church and was a deacon and all that good stuff. But it's so it's so crazy, like you're saying. Like it was one of those things. Like I remember him getting out of the hospital, and the first thing he did when he got home was he wanted his Bible, and he wanted his you know the room <laughs> that he was in set up so he could like literally read, and he read all the time. He just read his Bible all the time, and I was just like, man. And I was going there and have these long talks with him, or just sit beside him, and just you know just looked at That's him and wonder what he was thinking about and stuff. And it it's 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 it's. it's one of those things and and then my sister and me and her talking about it because she came in when i had to come back home you know come back up here to my family and she did the same thing for you know even longer than i did and she was like it was so it's it's very gratifying honestly you know at the end yeah. when, you, when, you, when you look at it and and you see it like at the moment you really don't see it because you're more concerned about you know trying to make sure he, you know sees another day or you know hopefully that some miracle will happen but it's one of those things where, you know, once he passed and, you know, some weeks went by, it was very gratifying to have that time with him. And, um, and my sister, you know, even talking to her, she was like, you know, asking him questions about his life, like literally about, you know, his life <laughs> and hearing the answers yeah. that was given very, very deep and so, you know, deep man. answers and stuff. Yeah. It's, 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 you and get that chance. I, is... I totally get that, man. Yeah. 
when I'm dying, I want to be, I want to have, I, like, I always thought, like, when I'm dying, I want to watch, like, Welcome Back, Carter. Like, I want to have shows from the 70s <laughs> on. Because that's where I feel comfortable, man. And I feel like 1980 right. was, like, the last, once we hit the 80s, like, everything kind of went crazy. But, <laughs> you know, but to, to the point, I always say, man, that's why you have to max out the good times. I kind of work my philosophy, my life philosophy from my deathbed backwards. And nobody sits on their deathbed and goes, I wish I had a bigger car in life or a bigger TV. Or, you know, you don't even really regret the fuck up. It's like, dude, I wish I took that trip to Paris. I wish I wrote the great American yeah. novel. I'm not yeah. going to have those regrets, dude. Like, I'm going out, like, just full. That's my game plan. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's it. one of the, yeah, it, yeah, and it's one of those great things, you know, they you know, my kids, you know, me and my wife went to England uh, in, in the end of June, end of June to the beginning of July. And my kids, I have three little, three little ones, and they got to spend two weeks down with my, with my folks. So, and, and this was even before, literally it was like a month after we got back from their house. At, I found out my dad had cancer. We had no clue anything was going on, but he got to spend those two weeks and, and my mom, you know, and she is one not to hold back. She was like, you know, the kids, they didn't, you know, they weren't fussy. They didn't, you know, cry and say they missed you. They had a blast. Your dad had a blast. And it's nice. like, you know, you look, yeah, you look back at it. And you're like, man, those, you know, you know, for me, you know, I'm like, I, you know, I was like, you know, God gave them, granted them that time with my kids. And my kids remember that. And they still talk about it. And it's like, you know, it's just, it's life. Yeah, you, you definitely got to, we're just a small little vapor in this whole big thing. So it's definitely got to make your mark and, and don't take it for granted. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can't shy away from it. That's all. No, no, no. And that's why not. creativity is so important. And, you know, when I was, just to kind of pivot back, because we got to start wrapping this up. That's why when I was listening to your music and I was wondering, is there anything you wrote for Oh Wild Ocean of Love that you're like, man, I wish Suzanne was here because this would be perfect with her? Or is there anything that didn't make the album because you're just holding it out for when you return? I guess this is a question in itself. Are you returning to Honey Honey? And have you been keeping anything <laughs> aside for that full-time return? Well, that's the plan. Um, the plan is to, you know, keep all these things going and, and moving together because I think it was a little too much to just have that one basket with all the eggs in it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and, and especially cause we started that band, that was pretty much our whole twenties. Um, and that just became like our identity was this band and everything revolved around the band. Blah, blah, blah. And it, and it gets, it got pretty stifling, I think for both of us. Um, but we love that band and we love that there is a community around it. So um, we have a couple tours. We're, we're putting together a summer tour right now. And the idea is, I mean, I'm probably talking, this is dumb that I'm saying it because none of this stuff is, is really lined up. But with the TV show, our plan is to actually, no, fuck that. Cause I don't know what's going to happen with that, but it's the 10 year anniversary of our first record coming out in the Holy fall. Shit. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, so we're going to do a show around that. And, you, you know, it's an important thing. It's kind of like the mothership still. But her record's really important to her, and it should be because it's awesome. And mine, mm -hmm. mine is too. So we're just going to try and kind of keep them all going at the same time. And there is, I mean, the music, 
I'm, I don't know. These days I'm kind of lucky to be able to have enough time to just like write and write and write and write. Um, and some of it is going to go towards honey, honey, hopefully. And some of it to other stuff. And, you know, there's kind of a range of things. So there's always, there's always stuff on the burner, you know? Well, and, and, you know, it's funny you should mention that when you were with honey, honey, like how much of what's on this current album was already written or germs of ideas that you couldn't really follow through and was put on the back burner? Or did you just kind of leave Honey Honey full time and just start from scratch? Or were there a lot of these just germs of ideas you had during Honey Honey that didn't fit? Well, it was kind of, I'm kind of a deadline guy. So when I found out, okay, Sue's just cut this record and she's going to be promoting that, I need to make a record. Holy shit. Um, so I called up a friend of mine, his name is Howard Fibush. He's a brilliant producer. He's got a studio in New York. And I said, Hey, will you do this record with me? And he could do it, but he's a busy dude. So it, it had to happen at this time, you know, Okay. at a specific time. And so I had kind of like six weeks to like pull together a record. Um, so I, some of the songs like that everlasting peace song, I wrote that a couple of years ago, but it had completely different lyrics and all. So I, I just kind of took this time running up to the record to just be like, okay, shit, let's get something together out of all these, you know, I got like a fridge full of stuff, but nothing on the stove, you know what I'm saying? Does it look totally different now than you imagined it setting out at the very inception of it? Totally. Totally. Well, but that's because we were talking earlier in this call that it was an opportunity because I didn't have anyone that I had to really um, compromise with. I mean, yeah. that's not true. I worked with Howard, the producer, but you know, it was my call. Everything right. at the end was my call. Um, so we got in there and it was just the two of us. And I had these song ideas and maybe kind of vibe ideas, but I love his ideas. And we just got in there and kind of improvised the whole record. We recorded it over a week and I played all the instruments, but uh, kind of on the spot you know it was just like oh shit what here's how this goes i guess um so it it is i didn't have like a sound in mind going into it at all i was just like we just had to for you is it good to be under the gun like that and like oh shit i got six weeks i've got to do this or do you think you would have been like more complacent they're like hey dude you got six months just like let's sit in the studio for the next six months and fuck around yeah, man, I don't think this in studio fuckery is for me anymore. <laughs> I used to. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, elaborate on I, that. I want to hear more about that. I mean, I I think it's hard. When I first moved out to LA, pretty early on, I got access to a recording studio where someone just kind of gave me the keys and was like, "Do whatever you want." And um, and that was amazing because I I got to learn a lot through the process. But I think it's rarely served to just really, especially in the studio, to kind of labor over stuff and kind of tweak towards perfection. I think the more, I, at least I can come in with my shit together and just go in, you know, go in to the office almost. Um, mm -hmm. It always comes out better. And that's not to say there's always going to be spontaneous stuff happening when you're around other people or in around that kind of gear or instruments or whatever, like weird shit is going to happen. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, yeah. I, ju I just think I, w I would rather record a record in a, in a week um, 
then they kind of like agonize over it for a long time. I don't think like um, it's not, I haven't earned that yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think, um, honey, honey, the sound of, of honey, honey will change after you guys have done your solo stuff? You know, just the Ooh, experience that's that you, yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. question. I mean, not saying that's sure. going to make this overall change of, you know, like, oh, this does, you know, but just like, you know, maybe they're going to go back and rearrange like all 90 of their albums or whatever. They're <laughs> you know, God damn, how, how OCD is that? <laughs> uh, I can relate to OCD. Yeah. Um, no, I think it absolutely, I don't know what it's going to do, but it, it's got to because both of us know how to do more now. We're more confident. I mean, hopefully we can, hopefully we're better at, you know, collaborating and compromising. That's another thing. That's, that's always been like our big stumbling block. Like we love the shit out of each other. And I'm a, like, she's a gifted person. So it's mm-hmm. amazing working with her, but we're, we're all, we're both kind of like, we've been pretty staunch and it makes sense. Cause we're, you know, we've made our first record. When we were like 22 and there was all this, there's always been a lot riding on it, or at least we made ourselves feel like there was. We're, well, I know, you know Joe Rogan loves you guys because I've seen you been on his show <laughs> a bunch. Joe is a sweetheart, and he has—he's removed pressure from us. He's been amazing um, for us. Joe's the man. But uh, you know, when we were working, when we got our first record deal, and this and that, and this and that, and we're in the studio together and it really like it gets fucking tense uh, and especially back then because neither mm-hmm. of us were super secure with what we were doing and some of the people that we were working with maybe unintentionally would kind of like play us off each other and kind of create there was, there was never it took a while for us to find a healthier situation in the first couple of years in the band at least in the recording studio and, and people like we kind of caught the music industry at some of the dying gasps of this older way, which has now kind of come back in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, we, our first record came out on a major label. Um, and this was like pre Spotify, pre streaming and all that stuff. So they still had a, a lot. I don't know. There was still like a lot of decadence and just stupid shit going on which again, the pro- I'm sure there is on some levels now too, obviously. But then it was like, we, we ended up, our first record, which, you know, it, it did fine, but it wasn't some big, huge smash, but they ended up somehow spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars on this record. And like, Gosh. um, yeah, oh, doing, wow. doing all this shit that just didn't make sense because at the, t- you know, maybe the company was taking out 10 people to dinner and putting it on our tab and doing just like, you know, having to play the whole radio game. I don't, we don't have to get all deep into this stuff, but uh, okay. we just came, we came out of that world when we were super young and just like, you know, felt kind of confused and stung by it when we got kind of booted out of it. You know, like we had, to, <laughs> it was a whole mess. And so Holy shit. Um, all right. Well, we're at the 60 minute mark. I've got to have you back. Cause I want to hear more about that. Little yeah, journey. definitely. <laughs> Um, before we go though, where can everybody find you? Also, I was clicking around on your site and I noticed that proceeds from your song Dominator is going to, what is it? Santa Fe, um, dreamers project. Yeah, it's called the Santa Fe dreamers project. That's a group of lawyers in Santa Fe. They're providing like immigration 
uh, legal support for immigrants. Um, that's amazing. Helping. That's awesome. Uh, it's man, they're they're great. They're really cool. I haven't gotten to spend face to face time with them, but um, Honey Honey has worked with this group called Farm Aid for a long time, and um, our our Farm Aid buddies uh, introduced us to Santa Fe Dreamers. So it was kind of like, okay, this is safe. These people are doing good work. Um, yeah. So if you go on Bandcamp, I think it is. You can donate. You can get a download of the track and put in whatever you want to donate, and it'll 100% go to um, this group of uh, this legal team in Santa Fe. Sweet. You know, I always feel like it's gutsy, too, when somebody uses their notoriety or how much of a voice they have to kind of talk about political platforms that are important to them, because it would be easy for you to be like, hey, you know, this is going to go to the Santa Fe Dreamers Act. And for someone to see that and be like, well, never listen to this band again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. It it felt right still feels right it's the kind of thing i i mean obviously i have some issues that i'm always working out with this whole you know commercial art thing um and i think part of me is always i just want to feel like i'm doing more than just uh pursuing my like a personal journey about music like yeah i love music and i have questions about it so that's kind of what my life is based on and i want to make sure that i'm i'm pushing some of the energy to other people too does that make sense no that's perfect that is a good journey to be on all righty well we got to get out of here we are going to play the rearranged version of dominator and i want to thank you for calling in tonight ben um odell any parting words no just thank you so much yeah we love to love to have you back man It's, it's, it's been a great talk Oh, guys, it was great. Yeah, maybe maybe Susan and I can, can do it together. That'd be fun. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely, oh, Ben. Thank thanks for calling in. All righty, guys. Thanks for listening tonight. We'll be back. Good night, guys. Good night. Thanks, guys. Baby, you dropped the hand.